Hey podcast, welcome to episode 97 of our show. If you are new around here, my name is Claire Tuning. I am your host and non-diet registered dietitian behind all things here at Yours Chuli Nutrition. And I'm truly excited that you are joining us for today's episode. So I have to say first and foremost, if you're hearing me talk right now and there's like an incessant buzzing noise behind me, I'm not sure if the microphone that I have is canceling any of this out or if you all can hear it as well as I can, but I woke up this morning to someone pressure washing our building, which is great because the building's going to look nice and new and spick and span. And at the same time, it's not the most conducive environment to recording and wanting to have a safe space, but we're going to make it work. So, yep, if you hear that buzzing noise behind me, apologies in advance, but, you know, kind of out of my control. But I hope wherever you are tuning in from today. How many times will I exhaust that pun? Uh, That's yet to be determined, but I hope wherever you're tuning in from today, you are well, you are finding ways to care for yourself, to nourish your body, whatever that might look like for you. And we're going to dive right into our Yours Julie Goal Slayer featured post of the week, and then we're going to jump right into it with our guests. So getting right down to business today. So for our Yours Julie Goal Slayer featured post of the week. This is actually a really recent post to the time that I am recording this intro. The timestamp on it is 13 hours ago from when I am recording this intro, but I wanted to share with all of you here on the podcast because this individual has a really awesome idea, not only on how to organize a pantry, but also to do so in a way that will maybe afford you a little bit more mental space and freedom from the numbers and the calorie labels, if that is something that is kind of a sticking point for you in your relationship with food. But she writes, calories have always been an obsession of mine. My food choices were not based on preferences, taste, availability, or even basic nutrition. The only focus was on calories. My brain worked as a full-time calculator. I've created a new system at home, which has helped me so much in this journey. Mason jars. By simply discarding the label, I found so much more freedom. The nutrition of the food does not change, but the packaging no longer holds the same power over me. I've attached a photo of my first ever Reese's chocolate chip cookie. Although the nutrition hasn't changed, I could never have enjoyed it the same had the calories been staring at me in the face. And this is officially my favorite, all caps, cookie ever. Ultimately, my ultimately my goal is that the knowledge of calories does not affect my every food choice. But for now, my jars add both design to my kitchen, kitchen and freedom to my life. And I know you can't see the photo she's included if you're listening here on the podcast, but she has two photos attached to this post, one of kind of like the the larger view of her pantry with all of these mason jars and a lot of snacks, trail mixes, nuts, cookies kind of housed in the jars. And then she has one picture of her actually holding one of those cookies that she actually mentioned in the post here. So again, if you are someone who really struggles when you see a nutrition facts label and that really impedes your food choices kind of like she says you're not able to make your choices based 
on preference, based on what you'd like, based on your cravings, but really the calories or any numbers on that label are taking up too much of your mental space and you're looking to just get some freedom from them, I love, love, love this idea that when you bring foods into your home, either you put them into jars, maybe you get a friend, a family member, a kid to do this for you, if you really don't wanna have to touch the label at all, but what a great idea to just discard the boxes, recycle them, do whatever you do, just get those numbers out of your space, out of your eyesight, if that is something that really isn't helping you on your journey to making peace with food and your body. And two, I have to say, just from an aesthetic perspective, I love the way this looks. Mason jars, I feel like I don't know, I'm not a style person myself. I do not tout myself to be an interior designer, but I feel like they're pretty classic and I don't know if they will ever go out of style. So maybe even if not for the getting the numbers out of your face purpose, but maybe even if you want just a new look or a new way to organize, this can be a fun and a cost-effective way to do so as well. So if you are listening to me feature our Yours Truly Goalslayer featured post of the week and you're thinking, okay, I've been hearing Claire talk about this community literally every time I log on to the podcast or I tune in to the show, but I haven't joined yet and I want to because hello, free tips, video trainings every week, community support around all things intuitive eating, then I would love to invite you to come and join us. So if you are not new to the show, this little spiel on how to join is not going to sound new, but if you are new here and you wanna come join us, there are two simple ways you can do so. First is by visiting my website, clairetuning.com community. Again, clairetuning.com slash community. That will take you directly to the brief application that you need to fill out to join us. And the other way you can easily access that application is through the link in my bio on Instagram. Click the link. I think it's like either the first or second tab there talks about the Facebook community. So tap that and that'll take you to the same exact page there on my website. And if you're not already in the community, I'm really excited to hopefully see you there one day. But da, 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 without further ado, as the power washer hums in the background, gotta love it. I am so looking forward to introducing today's featured guest of our show here and letting you all in on the conversation that I had with her. So the name of today's guest is Nicholas Salmon and a little bit about her. I will read her bio that she so kindly gave to me as I was preparing for the intro for this show, but she is a fat positive fertility coach, feminist and author of Fat and Fertile. She advocates for change and how fat people are treated while accessing help with their fertility. Nicola supports fat people who want to get pregnant using her unique fertility framework to find their own version of health without diets, advocate for their bodies, relearn how to trust their body and believe in their ability to get pregnant in their current body. 
If you want to find more about Nicola and all of the incredible information and the resources that she has to offer, you can find her on Instagram at Fat Positive Fertility. You can find her under that same name on Facebook. The name of her website is nicolasalmon.co.uk. And then again, the name of her book that she will also mention a little bit about in our conversation is Fat and Fertile. So like I said, I am really excited to bring you today's conversation with Nicola where we talk a little bit about what are some of the myths surrounding dieting and conceiving, what are some of the myths around body weight and trying to conceive, how can we stay away from some of these diet culture themes and how it can really sneak into the fertility world. So if you are looking for a topic that we have never covered here on the show, I'm really happy that you're joining us for today's episode. Whether you're maybe on a fertility journey of your own, maybe this is information that you want to park in your memory bank for a couple years down the road, or maybe it's just something that you have some questions around and you're looking for answers. But however you are arriving to our show today, I really hope that you find our conversation helpful and actionable with a couple of the tips that Nicola has to offer. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Nicola Salmon. Enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Yours Truly podcast. I'm sitting here camera to camera with my newfound friend and connection via the interwebs, Nicola Salmon. So Nicola, how are you today? Really well, thank you. Well, I'm super happy to to have you here all the way from nearby London, correct? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. we uh, have a quite quite the time difference as we were talking about before we hit record, but really happy to have you here to showcase your expertise to our audience. So before we dive into you and what you do, uh, we have a little game to bring some lighthearted fun to the first couple of moments of our show, and it's called This or That. So are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. First question, coffee or tea? Oh, so I don't drink either, but I do like coffee icing. I like iced buns. Really like coffee icing. Okay, bring me up to speed. Coffee icing. I don't think so that's really, a thing. <laughs> so it's, it's just not. like a, a frosting with a coffee yeah, thing. with a coffee flavor. Okay. Very good. I've never, I've never tried that, but you know, I've never met an icing I didn't like, so (laughs) I'm sure I'd be a fan. Uh, Second one, when it comes to noodles or or pasta, do you prefer the spaghetti, like long and stringy format, or are you more of a penne fan? Ooh, I think I like the penne because it kind of clings to more sauce, so you get a good, a better kind of sauce to pasta ratio, I think. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And two, spaghetti is just such like a mess hazard all the time, right? Especially you have like sauce that's like flinging everywhere, gets on your chin, where I feel like if you have a more contained noodle, like a penne or a rotini, it does get more sauce with also less mess. So I'm with you oh, yeah. for sure. I'm definitely a messy eater when it comes to the best of times. So <laughs> anything I can do to kind of help myself out is definitely a good thing. I love it. Next one, are you a morning person or more of a night owl? Mm, I really, really, really want to be a morning person. 
but I'm so bad at staying up late at night and just kind of mindlessly scrolling. I think that's because the time, that's the time and it's like quiet in my house and I don't have screaming children and it's like the time and everybody's like asleep and I just have that late little, but yeah, I always pay for it in the morning when I then have to get up because the boys, I've got two sons and they both wake up at like six o'clock in the morning. So yeah, yeah. I, ha- I have dreams of one day being an early morning person when the boys can sleep in till like lunchtime or something. <laughs> yeah, let them uh, let them get to maybe their their teenage years. What what ages are they? Four and six. So okay. we're a while <laughs> off yet. Give <laughs> them about ten years each, and then maybe that dream of yours might come true. And maybe you have to drag them out of bed, right? They really don't okay. want to be up early. <laughs> One day. <I> hope so. <laughs> um, two more for you. So when it comes to books, would you rather read the book or listen to the book on more of like a audio format book reading thing <laughs> I have a lot of books so I'm definitely a, a physical book person um, rather than an audio but um, I do love listening to podcasts as well so yeah I feel like I do need to dip my toe in the like the audible world to really fully kind of benefit from yeah, yeah. but some people like I think when the authors read the books that really adds almost another layer to the book right if you can do both I agree I, uh, I haven't really dove into the the audible world quite yet I'm, I'm of course a big podcast fan i listen to things that way but i agree when it's the author themselves reading their own work i think that does add an extra layer of getting to know them and kind of hearing their words and their own voice mm. and also too i know people can't see us because this is an audio format but you have a, a bookshelf behind you <laughs> so maybe maybe i, I could have uh, assumed that you're more of a reader than a listener just because <laughs> yeah of the number of like books. Like all the books over there and there's books over here yeah it's a bit of a problem <laughs> a, a learning problem I wouldn't call a problem but uh, definitely I mean I have a bookshelf too they just take up space that's the thing <laughs> so I do have a kindle as well and like fiction books I'll often kind of get on the kindle so I can kind of read those in bed um if I'm only going to read it once but yeah there's so many lovely beautiful books that I'm like well I just want to look at them and like just stroke them and they're yeah. so pretty <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Sometimes I, I feel the same way, especially about the ones with the, the really pretty covers. Um, final one for you here. Now, I know as humans, we need to do both of these things that I'm about to mention. But when it comes to how you spend your time, would you prefer to spend the majority of your time having alone time, quiet time, time for you? Or are you more of a spend time with people kind of person? definitely alone time person I'm 100% introverted um and I need that alone time to recharge and be a proper human being again if I've been spending too much time with other people for sure yeah I am I am very much the same way and I always tell people don't get me wrong I love you like I love friends I love spending time with people but I I feel very similarly that in order to recharge and feel like a functioning human I just need to be alone <laughs> for yeah. a good yeah. um, So now that our, our listeners and, and myself, part of the, the this or that game I, I think is fun, but I also kind of use it selfishly too, to get to know more about you, maybe like the underneath, you know, more of what I can maybe see from social media. But now that we all know a little bit more about you, I'd love for you to just spend maybe a few moments sharing a bit about who you are, what your passion is, and what it is that you help people do. So I am Nicola. I am, how old am I? Like 
36, I think, maybe, somewhere around there. I have two young boys. I'm a mum um, and I run my own business. I, um, as a fertility coach, a fat positive fertility coach, I'm also an acupuncturist and naturopath by training. Um, so yeah, so my work and my passion, um, I'm very lucky that they're both one and the same thing. Um, I support fat people who want to get pregnant and it's been a it's been a long journey to get here. I've probably been doing this specific work for about two years um, from kind of learning about science to then learning about acupuncture to then specialising fertility. Um, but yeah, like it's taken me a long, I've always been in a fat body, I'm a fat person and um, I spent the majority of my teens, 20s dieting and it was only when my eldest son, who's now six, was a baby that I really gave up dieting. And really then I had a big hole in my life of like, who am I if I'm not dieting? And then I was so lucky just to be on Instagram at this time and stumble across the wonderful world that is the Hayes world, um, health at every size and intuitive eating world on Instagram. And there were other fat people who weren't dieting and were living these glorious lives. So that's kind of what introduced me to the non-dieting aspect of my work and as soon as I realized that this was a thing and that this other people were doing this work and that there was evidence behind it and research I was so it just kind of completely blew up the fertility world that I was in because I was like oh my god there's so much diet culture in this fertility kind of specialism so many people um being told just to lose weight in order to get pregnant and so that's kind of how I ended up in this place of talking specifically about fertility and kind of anti-diets, intuitive eating, health at every size stuff. Yeah. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of what I'm hearing from you is you were already in the fertility world kind of mm -hmm. before you found health at every size, intuitive eating. Yes. Is that how it kind of yeah. unfolded? Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like, you know, where you are now is kind of a balance of your own personal experience has led you there, maybe professional experience and maybe helping people in the past where a more quote unquote conventional approach wasn't working or wasn't resonating. So and I think for many, you know, coaches or professionals in this space, I think we land, you know, at a spot in our career where maybe we're doing something that we wish existed for us mm -hmm. years ago, or maybe when we were going through our toughest moments. So one question that I have for you, because you mentioned that you're a fat positive fertility coach, but I'm thinking since fertility isn't necessarily a topic that we've covered here in depth on the podcast, I'm wondering if some of our listeners are hearing that and saying, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what does a fertility coach help me do? Kind of, you know, what is the behind the scenes work of your day-to-day -day look like? So would you mind maybe offering a definition or the, the elevator pitch for lack of a better term, <laughs> if you will, kind of to, to what your job description is and what it is that you help people do there? Yeah, of course. So um, I got into the field through acupuncture. So I trained as a general acupuncturist um, and realized that, that from the people that were coming to me that a lot of people weren't getting pregnant as quickly as they'd like to um, and they felt like they needed some additional support um, and the reason I moved into coaching specifically around fertility was because I felt like acupuncture didn't give me the breadth of like supporting people emotionally um, and mentally as well as kind of like that physical component that we were doing with the acupuncture so that's kind of how I 
got into it really just looking for additional ways to support people going through um, becoming parents. Um, and for people who don't maybe aren't in the fertility world and don't know much about it, kind of fertility issues do affect a lot of people. In the UK, the stats like one in six mm. couples are affected, um, affected by infertility. Um, and there's so many reasons why people might not be able to get pregnant initially. Um, and it's not something that's talked about a lot. So often people will feel embarrassed or ashamed to go and seek support. Mm-hmm. So my job is um, specifically now to support fat people around it because so often when they go and see their doctor, often they're put, put off going to see their doctor because they've had bad experiences with their doctor in the past due to their weight. Um, and they'll just be told to lose weight. They'll just be said, well, come back in six months when you've lost some weight and then I can help you and give you the tests and the treatments and X, Y, Z. Um, and a lot of clinics, so if you need to kind of move further down the path and you still not be able to get pregnant naturally and you'll go down assisted conception routes, a lot of the clinics will have BMI barriers in place. So if you're not below a certain BMI, they just refuse to treat you. So there's a lot of weight stigma and a lot of kind of fat phobia in the fertility world Um, and a lot of people are just left and said okay well until you lose weight we can't help you so yeah there's a lot of work to do and a lot of the work I do is supporting people one-on-one with that in terms of both supporting their own health but being able to advocate for their bodies with the fertility clinics and their doctors and also kind of piecing back together their trust in their body that it's able to get pregnant and that they aren't kind of constantly feeling ashamed and guilty about like because we're told this story that oh fat people can't get pregnant and you'll have to lose weight in order to get pregnant and it's unhealthy for you to get pregnant when you're fat so there's so many stories that these people are told that you know it's kind of all about unlearning that as well so yeah yeah, it's a a lot of work (laughs) and I could I mean it's much needed I mean kind of as I'm hearing you describe you know the support piece I can imagine is so needed for so many of these individuals who are going throughout a journey that is inherently really challenging and really vulnerable right I can't speak Mm -hmm. about this from personal experience I'm not at the stage of my life where I have kids or you know I want them at this moment in time so I've never traveled through this personally but in working with clients who have or they're maybe starting to think about that I can really imagine it's a time that's filled already with a lot of uncertainty with maybe even some fear and then to be met as it sounds like you're describing with a medical professional or but by the advice of a friend or a family member that's kind of dismissive or says, hey, you need to reach X weight or you need to do this thing before I can even hear you or I can even help you. I can really imagine those individuals when they find you, they're like, thank God, (laughs) right? A breath of fresh air for someone who will hold space for me and hear me and help me with what I want to do, with what will be best for my family without putting all of these, you know, ideas or maybe goals, quote unquote, that might be really challenging, you know, on me first. So um, something that we kind of talked about a little bit when we were kind of going back and forth, talking about this episode and preparing for it, um, I asked you if you had any, you know, topics or specific ideas that you're really passionate about speaking on. And one thing that you mentioned, which I think is apparent so far in some of the, the questions that you've already answered, but one thing that you mentioned is that diet culture is very sneaky, yet 
also everywhere at the same time in the fertility space. And again, I think you already offered a couple of examples of how this shows up and maybe why it does, but would you mind offering maybe a couple more examples of how you've seen diet culture kind of rearing its ugly head in this space and maybe being more harmful to people than it is helpful? Yeah, so... In, when you search fertility diet on Google, you will come up with a million hits. And so many of them are really based in the kind of the wellness sector. So it's this idea of like clean eating and like cutting out carbs. And so like if you kind of start to delve into like things that I should be doing when I want to get pregnant, you will come up with so many restrictions. So the, the kind of common advice is, cut out wheat, cut out gluten, cut out dairy, cut out sugar, you know, and you're kind of this endless kind of restriction. And this isn't just for people who are in fat bodies. This is for everybody. So you're immediately entering this space where you are told that there's these rules that you've got to follow if you want to get pregnant and be in your kind of prime fertile health. Um, And it's so restrictive and it's so, it really speaks to that kind of that wellness culture that we've seen growing up that, you know, is so intertwined with this just diet culture in disguise, right. Of this, like, you've got to be eating organic and you've got to be doing this. And it's all these kind of real hierarchies of food of like, this is what you should be doing. And the problem in the fertility field is that people cling on to anything that they can control because the idea of, you know, like when you get pregnant is often so out of your control. Anything that they can hold on to that they have control over, they hold on to tightly because it's the one thing they feel that they can do to give themselves the best shot of becoming parents. So the food piece of it is something that people can cling on to really tightly. And again, it's just something else they can use to beat themselves up about or, you know, make them feel like they're less than because they're not cutting out all these things or they're not able to follow the rules perfectly. So it, it really is like this intensified diet culture within the sphere of, of, of health. Yeah. And I hate to even say this because it's going to sound like for a moment I'm giving diet culture credit. <laughs> this is not <laughs> how I'm intending it to come across, but diet culture is so smart and sneaky in terms of marketing, right? So I'm kind of envisioning, as you're mentioning, someone in this position where they want to get pregnant, they want to have a family, and they start looking for answers, right? So they Google something, and the first thing that comes up is kind of this laundry list of never touch these 7,000 things, right? Or you know, you got to do this perfectly or do it X amount of times. I mean, diet culture is really targeting such a vulnerable population because like you were saying it is this population of individuals who are trying to control what they can in an otherwise really uncertain journey maybe especially if it's the first time that someone's done it before i mean so if we just talk about how wild it is that you know diet culture is appearing in this way but also how successful it's being in convincing people oh my gosh, maybe the answer is cutting out this laundry list of things or, you know, is adhering to these, you know, 10,000 things that I have to do. It can be really challenging, I imagine, to kind of sort through that and find the truth or the, you know, the, the real helpful, actionable items underneath that. So what would you maybe say to someone who comes to you having been taught these diet culture messages? Maybe they've gotten it as a result of 
their upbringing, right? Growing up just in the world that we live in. And maybe two, they're on a fertility journey, trying to get pregnant, trying to have a family. And now they're doing research that is perpetuating even more some of these thoughts and these preconceived notions that they have. What is maybe something that you say to them, or I'm curious, where do you start And I acknowledge this is a very loaded question because it's probably (laughs) different for everyone, but where do you start kind of unpacking some of this and helping them to see maybe another side of things that is less black and white, that is maybe less weight focused? Like where do you begin with someone who maybe has never heard of fertility talked about in a way that you're kind of speaking about it now? Mm. So there are a couple of kind of ways that I like to approach it. One of the most helpful kind of first steps is often to talk about the determinants of health. So there's a really great graph from the CDC, which I'm happy to send a link to you so you can share it in the show notes, is of like all the things that impact our health. And like, I think more than 50% of this little pie chart is things like socioeconomic factors, the place you live, the environment that you're in, the access you have to food and clean water and you know all those things are take up more than 50 percent of the the impact from our health from external sources and then we've got genes you know our genetics we've got um um the access that we have to medical care and then i think it's just over 25 percent of this pie graph is health style fact lifestyle factors so things like diet and movement and things that we you know to a certain extent have control over so starting by framing our health like that can be really helpful for these people because often the diet and the nutrition is sold as this is the big you know this is the big piece of the puzzle this is like if you can control this then 100 percent you're going to make an impact and of course while nutrition does have an impact on our health it's not this huge piece that we're often sold it is and I think helping people kind of see that from like a bigger perspective of like okay yeah like it's a part but it's not it's not like the whole pie chart and also that's kind of over 25% also includes how I'm moving my body it also includes how I'm sleeping it also includes you know the hydration that I'm getting and the stress levels that I'm under so that all of a sudden that little piece of the puzzle starts to shrink and shrink and shrink and it helps them just to kind of see like okay, so it's not a big deal if I eat a brownie, right? Because it's not the whole picture. Yeah. And I think that's so important too for your community and for the fertility world, but also just for anyone's purpose who's looking to just move away from dieting, from disordered eating. I mean, the the social determinants of health, that is a conversation that I have with many of my clients because I think so often in the world that we live in and the culture we grow up in, that 25, maybe 26% like you're talking about is really blown up and that's all that's focused on, that's all that's talked about. I mean, hey, even in my training to become a dietitian, that 25% was like 99.9% of what we learned about, right? And what we talked about. So, I mean, we see that it's really no surprise that we grow up when we maybe make it to a point in our lives where we're placing so much emphasis on that very small piece, which like you said, has some impact on our health, right? But it's by no means the end-all be-all of our health journey, you know, anything that that may happen to us health-wise. So um, what kind of we're hinting at here is one of the reasons why I love 
intuitive eating because it takes some of the, the individual responsibility away from that conversation of health. And we focus on health promoting behaviors. We focus on mental health. We focus on emotional health. It's a much more, in my opinion, well-rounded approach, but something that you mentioned in some of our conversations leading up to our show here, you mentioned that intuitive eating is actually the best or maybe the preferred quote unquote diet when it comes to fertility or the preferred fertility diet. So would you maybe shed a little bit of light on what you mean by that and why an intuitive approach to eating and nourishing our bodies might actually be more helpful when it comes to fertility than some of the more conventional approaches that we are presented with? Mm, so for someone who hasn't been able to get pregnant yet, who's on their fertility journey, often there will be a kind of disconnect between them and their body because they we are told in our society that having a baby is something that every person with a uterus should be able to do. Mm-hmm. It's something that should come really naturally, that should be really easy. It's what we're kind of here for. And when you can't fulfill that, when you're not able to get pregnant, all of a sudden there's like a kind of, you begin to hate your body, you begin to, it doesn't do what you want it to do. You're not menstruating maybe in the way that you would expect it to. It's, you're almost kind of creating this divide between you and your body. And the beautiful thing about intuitive eating is that that begins to build the bridge again. It begins to really reconnect you with your body in a way that I don't think any other kind of form of looking at the way you're eating and your relationship with food can. And I feel that that is such a huge apologies for any noise you can hear in the background. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> we have uh, energetic kids in the background. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like when you can begin to rebuild the bridge between you and your body, that is such a huge piece of, you know, this supporting yourself in getting pregnant because you have to, you know, your body is, you feel like your body is failing you, but all your body is trying to do is keep you alive. And often, kind of, this is such a stressful journey that often your body can feel especially if you've been on kind of yo-yo diets for a lot of your life that it's not a safe time to be getting pregnant and by really beginning to rebuild that connection with your body and learning how to trust your body's signals and really learning how to lean in to what your body needs and what your body wants and fulfilling those needs it's a really powerful way of bringing yourself back into connection with your body which kind of is a huge piece of kind of supporting your mental health and creating you know that connection so that you are able to trust that your body's able to get pregnant and can kind of move forward with that journey yeah kind of something that that i'm hearing from you is the the fertility journey that one may be on is challenging and as complicated and as stressful enough kind of what i'm hearing from you is let's not complicated or make it more stressful than we need to with all of these restrictions and the rules and the shoulds and the shouldn'ts, but really let's lean into an approach that is focused on connection of, you know, tuning into your body's feedback and let's maybe let that be the guiding light rather than this set of standards or rules that again, as we've talked about before, is more stressful and more harmful than than it could be helpful. Um, So the, the final question that I have for you here before we talk about about where people can find you and access your resources. But I always like to 
give as many tactical answers or tips that we can here on the show. I know that is challenging to do when we're speaking to such a broad audience, but I like people, you know, to be able to come in and to learn something and to maybe have a nugget or a takeaway that if maybe they're on a fertility journey right now, or hey, maybe even someone is listening to the show thinking in the future, I'd love to have a family, right? I'd love to have a child and get pregnant. What is maybe an actionable step or a tip that you could offer us or them to try to stay away from all of the sneaky diet culture messages and not get caught up in them when we're on that journey that is vulnerable and, and you know, complicated enough as we've been speaking about? Mm. So... I guess speaking back to kind of the keeping it simple approach that you mentioned, like whenever you're kind of faced with a rule or a, a something, you know, somebody giving you advice that that's kind of related to food, a really kind of great kind of test, a rule of thumb that I kind of live by is, you know, like, is this going to be of benefit? Like, is this going to help me or is this going to feel like a punishment for my body? And if it feels good, if it feels like this is going to be supportive, then awesome. And if it feels like it's going to be a punishment, if it feels like it's going to be hard, if you feel like you're going to trip up or fall off the wagon with it, or if it's you know, in any way restrictive, then avoid it. Avoid it like the plague. Um, so often for all of my clients, like the one rule that we talk about to begin with is like, are you eating enough? Mm-hmm. And that for so many people is all they need to do and then magic happens and they get pregnant like for so many people that is the only component of the puzzle that's missing they're just not eating enough and I think you know like making sure that you are nourishing your body in all the ways you are capable of and able to at this moment of time is really really a simple kind of easy thing to be able to do yeah, well, not easy, but an easy way to think about it. Yeah, yeah, and and I love that too because I think so many of these messages that we receive as a culture is eat less, do more, right? Yeah. And when it comes to having a, a strong and a nourished body, that's not what we need, right? Because if we look at what's happening, and you can probably speak to this better than I can, but hello, when I'm trying to get pregnant and grow another human, my body has to feel safe and nourished that it's able to do that, right? So when we look at um, eating enough, again, like you said, to the ability that we are able to do so as often as we can, that's really going to be one of those really important building blocks or pieces of the puzzle that allows our body to feel comfortable and safe and being able to, to go on this journey. So I know I mentioned that that was my final question, but I actually had one that <laughs> I had one that popped into my mind that I'm thinking, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of our listeners as they're maybe hearing you speak. And I, I really wanted to touch on something that you did mention earlier in the episode. And I meant to ask a follow-up question, but it slipped my mind, wouldn't you know, at that time. Um, but I just wanted to talk about the one myth that I know I hear a lot and I know some of my clients have asked me about and I really feel like you can maybe speak to this with way more expertise than I can. But you were mentioning earlier in the show the one piece of quote unquote advice that people receive maybe on their fertility journey is you just have to lose weight, right? You just have to change your body. So uh, I'm really, again, trying to put myself in the shoes of our listeners and maybe someone is out there who says, oh my gosh, I've been told that, I've received Mm -hmm. that advice and 
I don't know what to do because I don't want to go to dieting. I've been there before, but also I really want to get pregnant and have a family. Just what is maybe your advice or how can you maybe reframe that piece of advice or bust that myth for us, if you will? Yeah. So this, it's a classic thing that doctors will trot out. Like they often say, even if you just lose five to 10% of your weight, that will kickstart it into working. And what's really going on is, and there's research to back this up now, is that people are switching to more health promoting behaviors, which we know are helpful. And it's actually the health promoting behaviors that are having the positive impact on their health. And it's not any weight loss that they have or have not achieved. So what the doctors are saying when they're saying that is like without them even realizing is it's the health promoting behaviors that are going to support your health and well-being so there's daily things that you do every day to really look after yourself and nourish your body those are the things that are going to have the positive impact on your health on your well-being on your fertility regardless of what the scales say so throw away the scales try every you know like whatever you have within your capacity at this time to kind of support and nourish your body and that is the thing that's going to be enough for you to get pregnant. I am so happy that you said that. And, you know, what I'm hearing for you is something that I know I say, and, you know, any one professional here in this space is hopefully going to say is that those behaviors, right, the health promoting behaviors of, for example, I'm looking at my water bottle, like staying hydrated, eating enough, right? Maybe moving in a way that feels joyful and taking adequate rest. It sounds like, and I'm just trying to reflectively listen and get this from you, but it sounds like you're saying those behaviors are going to have a positive impact on health as a whole and also one's fertility journey, regardless of what happens to weight. Yeah. Mm -hmm, totally because our fertility is just a reflection of our health it's just another sign post of our health because it's it's all squished in there together it's not like our fertility is kind of separated out and you know it's all squished in there together it's all impacting each other so it's just another sign of health I love it. It's all woven together. It's all interconnected yeah. in that way. <laughs> um, well, Nicola, it has been wonderful getting to know you and, and talk with you. I feel like in part this interview I've used for my own selfish reasons to kind of pick your brain and kind of, you know, get your answers and your responses. But I'm thinking, again, putting myself in the shoes of the listeners, there are going to be some people out there saying, I need more info. <laughs> I want to learn more. So go ahead and plug whatever you're doing right now, your social media channels, just where people can find you and learn more about your work. Yeah. So I'm mainly on Instagram. Uh, my handle is fat positive fertility. Um, I have a book that you can get via Amazon, which is called fat and fertile, which goes a little bit more into my work and how I work with people. And it's kind of like a mix between like my story plus coaching stuff plus research stuff. So it's a, a good hodgepodge of things. Um, and I have like a free guide, the fat person's guide to getting pregnant on my website, which is nicolasalmon.co.uk. So if you want to get a little bit more info, you can go and grab that. So long story short, you have a lot of resources out there yeah. for people to, to learn more <laughs> and, you know, continue this conversation on their own terms. So again, thank you so much for being here, for carving some time out of what is your evening and my afternoon. And um, everyone go check her out on Instagram. Her content is really helpful and educational. So I am hopeful that our listeners will take follow suit and you know come over and see a little bit of what of what you're doing but um, my friends here on the yours truly podcast that is all that we have for today so we will sign off as we always do yours truly nicola and claire 
My friend, that is a wrap for episode 97 of our show with Nicola Salmon, all about fat-positive fertility. So Nicola, if and when you are listening to this, a big shout out and a thank you to you for not only allowing me to selfishly grab a little bit of time with you and to learn from you, but also for being willing to share some of your story and expertise with our audience here on the Yours Truly Pod. So speaking of our audience, yes, I'm talking to you, listener. If you have a couple of extra moments, either today, tomorrow, whatever day, and you loved either this episode or anything that we share here on the podcast, the best way to say thank you and to pay it forward so we can keep coming back every week and sharing new content and sharing new messages is to like, love, share, rate, and review this podcast. So if you're listening on iTunes, go ahead and tap those five stars, hit the subscribe button, leave a review if you feel so inclined. Also, if you're listening on iTunes, iTunes, there are three little dots in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. You should be able to tap that and get a shareable link to either text out to a friend, to email out to anyone who might benefit from hearing this message. If you are listening on any other platform, hit follow. I guess you can like us there too. Whatever you can do on any platform you are listening on to show the show a little bit of love to help us grow and reach more individuals who need to hear this message. So as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. And I will be back next Wednesday with episode 98. So until then, take care and we'll talk soon.